Welcome to Breakout, the Great Escape podcast. We're a group of filmmakers, writers and comic creators. And with our collective wealth of hours clocked up procrastinating on the internet, we talk about all things media. I'm Rich. I'm Fanny. I'm Ben. I'm Chrissy. I'm Mark. So, what have we learned this week? I have discovered that I need to build a better mousetrap, but not so the world can beat a path to my door. Rather, I'd very much like to catch the rodent that's been terrorising my flat. Yesterday, I found out the mouse had found a box with a cream egg in it, knocked it on the floor, unwrapped it, and then rolled it all the way through the house. Unfortunately, it couldn't get it past the dishwasher to its escape route. So this morning, I woke up to find a partially eaten cream egg next to the kitchen cabinets. Felix, what about you? I don't think I can top that. Um, I've just been uh, getting ready for our Carnival of Sorrow shoot in the next uh, couple of weeks. How about you, Ben? Um, well, funnily enough, you should say about your mouth problem, Rich, because uh, we've had a, a similar problem, but um, with ants um, burrowing up through the foundations of our house, would you believe? We came down, uh, down one day and found in the, the corner of the living room a big um, ant hill, which was uh, made of concrete, <laughs> where they had, um, yeah, burrowed up through uh, through under the house and and into the um, the living room for some reason. Um, but uh, anyway, we we solved the problem with copious amounts of ant powder. So that's. Uh, <laughs> So Ben has discovered a new form of industry ant. Uh, did you find any like small battens of iron within there reinforcing their concrete home? Um, no, no. Um, <laughs> there, there may have been some evidence of little mini JCBs kind of going around there excavating. Uh, <laughs> but no, just uh, hoping now that we don't, um, you know, walk on a particular part of the, uh, the living room floor and kind of fall through into a massive cavernous ant world. But... Um, hmm. Actually, it reminds me, uh, not, not long ago, I, I read a book called um, Empire of the Ants, which is a uh, a rather bizarre tale about uh, sort of intelligent ants. It's a, kind of like a sci-fi book. It was uh, originally written in, in French and was, was translated into English. Um, it's quite possibly one of the weirdest things I've ever read, but um, strangely compelling at the same time. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm working on a, a book review for that for my blog. So, yes, interesting ant-themed news. Oh. Uh, speaking of, of books, actually, before I uh, before I hand over to Mark, um, uh, at the time of uh, recording this, we're uh, just uh, waiting f- with bated breath for entries for our flash fiction competition. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, that will already have closed. So bad luck if you wanted to take part. Uh, but uh, we should have some really good entries up on the website for you to read. So uh, check those out at uh, the fiction section of the Redscape. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to announce a brilliant new project that just as seconds come together, Psychotic Mouse versus Army of Ants, <laughs> the ultimate crossover movie. Um, you'll be a fool to miss it. <clears throat> to be honest, that's no worse than any other idea we've had. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yes, no, that's not happening. Well, if it, if it happens, though, um, I, I will sue you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I reckon we could probably pitch it to Troma, though. No, Troma, Troma are classier. Troma are definitely classier. Asylum, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, seriously, though, I have been working on uh, a web series. Um, I mentioned it last time, I believe. Uh, Clown Face. Uh, as you're hearing this, uh, it will have just been recorded, and Rich is glaring at me for having said uh several times, oh. which will make his editing a nightmare. 
Hey, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't expect you to. Um, yeah, so Clown Faces a shot. It's a it's a fairly decent project. It's going to be a pilot for web series. It stars uh, Danny Tonks and Hannah Douglas um, and uh, Phil Bailey as the uh, t- title character Clown Face himself, and also Tom Loon. Um, it's going to be written directed by Alex Bourne, who's also working um, on the project I mentioned before, House of Screaming Death. Uh, it's got a lot of people that sort of worked with before. First AD is uh, a very talented Helen McIntyre. Um, and Matt Warner from Hellbound Media is also on board for the script. So that that's all being recorded now. For me, not yet. But for you, it's in the past. So there's sorts of time travel going on here. Um, but there we go, web pilot. Sounds good. Speaking of web series, um, Todd Bieber, creative director of UCB Comedy, said in a recent Filmmaker magazine that the term web series is dead and that genuine creators should remarket them as original series akin to Netflix. Uh, His opinion is the industry considers web series to mean um, amateur, rushed and self-indulgent and light on storytelling and character. So... What do you think is the future of web series as a medium? I would say he certainly has a point in terms of the terminology. I think the reason is the the term web series uh, came out at at a specific point. Um, YouTube was sort of building up. Um, Netflix wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And even then it wasn't making as much original content. So the idea of digital exclusive content is, is much wider now. And in that context, the term web series almost, rather than Netflix saying, hey, we've got a web series, they're saying, you know, this is original Netflix series. So the term web series is almost shifted meaning, I think, to refer to, as you say, low budget, much more independent. And even if the stuff isn't necessarily like that or low quality, it perhaps comes with a stigma. Yeah. I think actually there's um, there's also evidence that almost for, for the reverse happening in terms of uh, the, the the terminology shifting its focus. I think uh, I mean before you can even decide what's going to happen to a web series, you should define what is a web series. And and I think um, you know he's perhaps right that originally you know web series came out they were short episodes of of you know fairly sort of amateur productions and so on. And um, but but now you, you see that the, the the idea of it or the, the the label of web series being applied to more and more professionally produced series and and that uh, idea of the short format has actually almost gone out the window and then a lot of you know what you might now hear of as being a web series is actually you know the, the length of the episodes is much more that of a conventional series um you know, I'm thinking um, one of the ones I came across while I was researching this, which I haven't actually watched it because it's, it's sort of outside of my normal genre interest, is actually High Maintenance. Um, has anybody else heard mm. about High Maintenance? Uh, the Vimeo um, web series. Yes, um, which is, um, you know, perhaps a lot more mainstream in its, its approach um, in terms of, but it's still using the platform of a, a sort of an online distributor mm. to to get out there. Um you know, and that's that's being labelled as a web series, but that's far removed from the kind of thing that people often jump to thinking about when they hear the term web series. But they're still appropriating the term of web series to describe it. So, you know, is it ultimately that we're going to be calling um, longer, more professionally produced, digitally distributed series as web series, or are we going to drop web series down to being the label that you apply to 
to those short, you know, um, webisode kind of um, series instead. You know, it's it's what what actually ultimately happens to the to the name, really. It's a yeah, a strange thing, really, when you you know you think of how web series started out, and you know they were a lot of the time they were sort of uh, low budget independent filmmakers, etc. That um, would put these things together, mm. um, and then kind of global giants such as Netflix just grew and grew and grew and and now you know they're making original content and quite often they've got you know bigger budgets and more money to spend on making that content than you know the big major tv networks do Mm. um, which is quite a, a strange position to be in really it's really interesting how actually we went through a bit of a phase you mentioned the high maintenance and it's really held up as a a bit of a um a high mark in web series content Back maybe five years ago when YouTube was at its creative peak, we'll call it, there was um, a swath of quality web series like, for example, um, uh, Dr. Horrible, uh, Children's Hospital, um, various web series that were seen by not first-time creators but actually reasonable names in the um, in the tv circuit who were using web series as a way of putting out content that you wouldn't normally see or wouldn't be able to get marketed in the tv market in a way what's happened with the the evolution of youtube into what it has become now that creative element has kind of gone away we've seen a lot of the um content creators who are once big kind of uh, showing off how brilliant YouTube was, finding it hard to compete against the swathes of um, uh, gaming videos and uh, silly prank videos and cat videos and so on and so forth. Though, of course, YouTube has always sort of thrived on cat videos and, and prank videos, I think, as a general thing. So I think it's perhaps the way YouTube's shifted its marketing model is, is a large part of that. Um, the way it runs advertisements, so it's 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 the YouTube equivalent of of clickbait, really. You know, mm. about getting that money, getting hits quickly. Um, that that's harder with a web series, I think. Um, and I do think this term web series, in a sense, is in an odd in an opposition. I definitely think I think Rain Dance themselves, um, who sort of help organise this, have have distanced themselves from the term. I think it's they're still not the same as like the Netflix original content. Somehow I don't know if, mm. if the term digital series might be a way a way forward because whether you know we like web series or not, how it's being applied, I definitely think whether the web series had a had a rise almost, you know, if as it was going upwards and getting they were getting more professional and people were going, hey, web series, these are great. Suddenly it's got to a point where people perhaps are disassociating the high quality productions from the lower quality and, and attaching the term web series to the lower quality, which obviously isn't necessarily a good thing. Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. In, a way, in a way, the term, term original series, series kind of applies less, less to, to what we traditionally, we traditionally think of as web series, which is 10 minute short episodes, episodes and, and more to. to um, television, television serial replacement. There's a lot of original content though on um, Netflix alone, um, and without wanting to become a you know Netflix advert right now, um, you know I've watched a lot of 
sort of quality and interestingly different stuff on there. Um, obviously, Hemlock Grove is one I've mentioned before I like. They did Daredevil with Marvel, which is obviously mm. a, a big company. But Daredevil was an interesting example because it's very different to their mainstream films. They're a lot darker, more violent. And it's also something which is different from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on television, which is more mainstream. Mm. And would they have been able to do that kind of show without the digital platform? Yeah, actually, interestingly, um, you know, uh, one of the um, main things that people talk about in terms of what web series allow creators to do is to bypass the filter of, you know, um, distribution, you know, traditional distribution channels Mm. in, in that they can create stories without sort of the limitations of a network, especially, mm. you know, in the US market where, um, you know, certain networks are very restrictive in terms of the types of content that they'll take. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, I came across an example today, but I'm trying to think what it was. It was oh, think, something called Above Average. I don't know if anyone's heard of that one. It's, um, it's Broadway mm. Video's digital arm, and they are now uh, producing web content, um, you know, sort of like uh, from, from their arm. Mm. Um, one of their series... Actually, can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, um, but they they actually had a, a full frontal nudity shot in their series, and um, and that was something that they just wouldn't have gotten away with if it had been actually distributed via mm. television. Um, but you know, via digital channels, they can they can choose to sort of make the stories they want to tell and tell them how they want to make them. So, yeah. Mm. It makes you wonder, really, um, with how quickly um, sort of the web distribution. Um, for content is evolving um, and how kind of stagnated uh, traditional broadcasting um, is at the moment. You know, where does the future lie for broadcasting networks in, say, you know, as little as 10 years' time? Mm. Um, Because with the rise of, you know, all the global internet distribution mediums out there, um, which are quickly taking over in our living rooms, you know, Mm. we're getting devices to plug into our TVs, now and quite often people are watching content on those through the internet probably more than they're watching the traditional uh, broadcasted media. Mm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's um it's very likely that ultimately the division between web distributed and broadcast media is is, is going to eventually blur together and it will just be media. Mm. You know, the, the, how you consume it actually will cease to become important to defining that media. I think it's also very interesting to note that a lot of the series that initially had failing ratings, for example, uh, 30 Rock, uh, in the UK, uh, Breaking Bad never got UK um, television distribution. In a way, it's creating these situations where TV series that would initially not work for the general populace work on Netflix because people can just watch... um, large amounts of it can get into storylines and really understand them. And also it picks more niche people, people who don't, who are a bit more off the, the wall and therefore aren't watching broadcast television. They're watching, um, streaming. Um, yeah. Um, now what's interesting here actually is because this is becoming a question of consumption of, um, consumers and the way they engage with the media and engage with the digital technology now one thing what's quite interesting is um binge watching that's something that's really come out in this kind of era um obviously it sort of started off with dvd dvd box sets became a big thing and we have to remember they weren't there originally you look at some of the early look at vhs like a series of star trek say 
26 oh, episodes, like two episodes per tape at 12 quid each. You know, that was, And that carried over into DVD and some series early on, but the box set quickly took over because people could watch everything there. But that was still quite yeah. a long time after release. With Netflix, they all put every episode right there, up there, to watch. And people will binge watch it. They would sit there and watch whole series straight away. And that's an interesting sort of development. However, Netflix have also started putting out an episodic series where they put a new episode up every now and again, like, I mm. think every week or something, um, mm. which is an interesting approach because it's different to the binging model, but it could also be an attempt to explore that um, the, the dynamic of getting people involved because the thing about the binge model is there's no ongoing dialogue about what's going to happen next. You look at Game of Thrones and... Mm. The internet goes mad after every episode. You know, mm. you, you don't so much get that with Daredevil, say. You just get every time someone else sort of watches it, suddenly everyone's like, yes, I've finally caught up with it. Actually, something very interesting about um, binge watching and, and the um, the shift, I think, it, it, as you say, it's very much an experiment, I think, um, because I think when series started being released on, on places like Netflix and Amazon, Amazon Film, um, they did start to try and sort of retain that episodic model to start with. And actually the the idea of actually as soon as it's released, put every episode up is actually very new. Um, mm. like As if they've actually, you know, taken the plunge and actually gone for that. Actually, to clarify there, mm. Netflix, they most of their series, they put up all in one uh, lump. Amazon, strangely enough, they go for the episodic. Yes, that's that's sort of what I'm thinking is that there are are some services that are still retaining that model, which obviously comes from the broadcast model. Mm. Um, but what I was actually thinking is that my experience with, with Daredevil when it came out was um, we, we we saw that it had been released and, and we, we chose to sort of wait a couple of weeks before we watched it until we had time to watch it. And then we, we sort of watched an episode. And we're like, oh, that's right. We'll sort of watch an episode you know, now and we'll watch another one in a few days. And then we started coming across posts on Facebook and Twitter and it suddenly became very clear to us that if we didn't just watch it as quickly as possible, somebody was going to spoil something. <laughs> so, you know, I do think there's, by putting things up like that and not making it episodic, as you say, the dialogue is lost because we felt pressurised into actually, you know, using that, you know, you know, mainlining that series because, you know, we didn't want that dialogue that was going on to ruin our experience of it. Mm. On the other hand, from a, a media point of view, maybe that's exactly the point because, of course, whilst there isn't an ongoing dialogue, oh, let's get on, let's get all exciting and keep things going, which is good for um, advertisers and on television, on something like Netflix, actually just getting a huge number of views early on and almost getting people feeling pressured to be part of that. Mm. It's actually probably more beneficial to their model. What's quite strange though is uh, we're talking about these original series as if they compare to web series, but you have to obviously remember that when we've got a Netflix original series, Netflix has in part or in complete paid for that series. Um, I note that they spent uh, $11.2 billion dollars on content, of which 10% of it went on self-produced content. So it's it's not like they are getting people like us to do content here. They are basically funding these processes in. And that's why you have things like Better Call Saul and you have uh, New Best Development and so on and so forth, which are, or in the case of, uh, in the UK, uh, Ripper Street, 
which was only only made possible because Amazon paid in part for the series and got it priority over the actual broadcaster, which is the BBC. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's a good point. I think that actually brings us full circle and back to sorry, brings us full circle and back to web series and and the difficulty in discussing it because whilst we're talking about Netflix, I think this gives us important context to understand that actually if you if you if you have this kind of model and this kind of digital um, distribution there from major major project, how does how does something we make or something else stand up to that? And I think even you know even some of the higher higher budgeted web series are actually compared to something so glossy like Daredevil, then perhaps the impression is going to be cheapness, which is why the term gets linked to cheapness. And Chrissy previously mentioned high maintenance, um, which, but maybe that's been termed a web series because that's still the relevant term, but maybe we need to remove that. Maybe we need to start referring to them as digital series to get away from the negative connotations of the term as in somehow cheaper and not as good as original content. Well, something to mention about high maintenance actually is that they they actually, it was shot on actually quite a tight budget. It wasn't something that was funded by a large um, organisation or anything like that or commissioned um, by by a distributor. So they are, they are actually, I think, in a way, leading this sort of vanguard of independent producers. They, they are, you know, part of that group, I think, uh, more mm. so. Um, you know, you have alternate, you know, the, 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 probably the, the better example would be Video Game High School, um, which uh, was funded with a massively high budget. They have, you know, great special effects and so on, but they are pitching themselves in a way through the same channels as other independently produced web series. So they are obviously competing maybe a little bit more in that way you know as a as a web series being distributed through sort of digital channels it has a much much higher budget than the average i would say it has a much bigger sheen Mm. especially in terms of the amount of time taken to produce it i have to admit i haven't really watched many web series probably because i do have that kind of negative as soon as i hear web series bar the stuff that we've done obviously (laughs) because i'm biased i'm i'm involved in it um i really haven't gone and sat and thought I want to watch a web series because I, I usually think it's something it's on par with something we could have produced or possibly worse so I think why would I want to sit and watch it so I, I usually tend to not watch web series um, I think it's important to make them look as good as you can for, for, your, for your budget No, I think, and I think that's interesting actually because I think that does highlight that kind of way that that term can just hinder perhaps a project um and certainly you know I, i've seen web series of very low picture quality mm. i'm doing air tags there which <laughs> doesn't really help on the audio um yeah so you know of, of questionable quality but are, are written beautifully or really well done or really funny you could have some really polished ones that perhaps aren't great um um seeing ones that struggle to balance that as well um but i I, I kind of get what you mean because obviously we we've worked in high definition and had some quite polished stuff and i think it does look very good but i suppose the problem again with web series is is that is that term covers everything from you know a, a 15 year old and a camcorder and his mates putting something together to you know high polished yeah and i think uh the, the the negative 
connotations that it perhaps was coined, I think it coined very early in its life as a, as a, as a format. And actually, I think it's, it's going to be very hard for it to shake those until such time as it's not seen as a format, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think probably one of the main reasons why web series came about as well is because they couldn't get that, that distribution. And although, um, although companies like Netflix weren't around there, um, you know, these people producing this stuff had no kind of hopes of getting broadcast distribution. And that's mainly because they couldn't meet the standards that were required by the broadcasters. Um, to keep that certain level of quality um, that was needed. So in a way, then you had, you know, people imposing their own standards upon themselves. And some creators of um, the web series would have quite high standards and make fantastic um, technical looking um, videos, um, as well as, you know, great stories. Yet on the flip side, Anyone can do it, so you can put any old rubbish up on the internet. Yeah, very few web series have made that translation from um, from the web the web series on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever service you're using through to Netflix. And when they do, they often come in a different format. Going back to Video Game High School, that is available on um, on Netflix, but as a full episodes as in the entire thing is cut into one film, and the same case with uh, Web versus Blue. Ah, that's quite interesting um, to see that sort of repurpose. And I, it makes sense in, this, in a way, because I don't think Netflix was one sort of series that have perhaps shorter episodes. But actually, going back to what you said, and it actually goes back to something I said earlier about that sort of the way the word and the, and the notion of the web series has gone. It's almost like when it started, it had those negative connotations because of perhaps the, what people were assuming is cheapness. And as it's developed, I'm, I'm thinking maybe three or four years ago, it reached a peak where people were going, hang on, no, web series actually could, can be good quality. This is getting good. You know, we're getting good connotations. And then mm. suddenly we get this whole sort of next stage of digital revolution. And it's almost like a disconnect happens where suddenly mm. web series, the term drops again, drops from that peak, becomes negative again because it can't, keep up with the Netflix and the other things and the high quality uh, web series, the really good stuff, I, uh, perhaps it would be best to start referring to them as digital series. Maybe we need to think about using the term digital series. Certainly, I'm, I've been contemplating talking to Alex when he discusses Clownface, which I mentioned earlier, and saying perhaps we should utilise the term digital series rather than, rather than web series just because there is that connotation now. Mm. But then, you know, in that case, um, you know, if if everyone starts referring to their work as um, digital series or digital content, would then that just not bring about the natural negative connotation uh, in itself as well? It's almost as if you need to have one standard that's called one particular thing um, so that people know they're getting a particular quality um, you know, when they call it X and they get a, you know, another particular quality when they call it Y. The interesting thing actually is that this, we mentioned the web series, the quality seems to have done that little, that dip. And in a way it's because those mid-level creatives, the people who are like 
I've produced a TV series or I've been in a TV series, I want to do my own thing and the TV companies aren't supporting me, in the past would have gone and done a, a series on YouTube or put it up as an episodic, something to, to digitally download. But instead of that, they're now going straight across to the video on demand suppliers and putting their content up there rather than on YouTube. And therefore the quality, we're seeing a quality dip because there are less creatives going into that realm rather than into, um, into YouTube. I actually also wonder whether there is a, a certain amount of this, um, quality and, 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 and sort of attitude towards it, which actually perceived rather than something that actually exists. Um, the reason I say that is because, you know, until the sort of, the, you know, until you started getting smartphones and, and, and Netflix and, and, uh, and sort of YouTube streaming to your phone and so on and so forth, there was actually a very limited amount of the population that was actually accessing digital content. Mm. That has really shifted recently. And now, you know, a large proportion of the population that were previously only accessing broadcasted content are now accessing on-demand content. Um, you know, so that, that has really changed. And I think, you know, because more people from a wider background are coming into contact with digital content, they're actually starting to, to experience that content firsthand rather than perhaps making assumptions that, oh, YouTube is just rubbish videos that people have made, which is a, a, an attitude that they've gained not from actually going on there and finding and discovering content because that's not what they do. You know, these are the types of people who watch broadcast content of a high quality and probably get the odd cat video forced down their throat when they go on Facebook, for instance, if they do that at all. You know, so I do think there's a certain perceived quality which actually is is in is actually linked directly to a perceived um, attitude towards the internet as a whole. Agreed, totally. The, the fact that YouTube has this overarching feel of you go to YouTube to watch um, cheap content or content that's essentially ethereal nonsense, but then what, people don't necessarily go there to go, I want to watch something really good quality. more importantly, what I'm saying is there is a vast proportion of the population who don't go to YouTube because they wouldn't dare. You know, <laughs> that's my point, is that there is this perceived attitude towards the... There are people who don't go on the internet... You know, there are people who don't veer off the beaten track. They might have a YouTube account so they can keep in touch with their kids, for instance, but they don't go off the beaten track. And those types of people are often the ones that have this sort of negative attitude towards the internet in general, and thus in terms of, you know, uh, the, you know their attitude towards digital media content. So the key there is marketing. It, it's to do with that. It's to do with access yeah. and the ease of access. But of hey, course. Come right, there's an interesting sort of idea coming here, and I think... It's almost, there's almost the opposite problem in the sense, actually, I think, coming out of that. Because that's right, there is a lot more digital people coming into this now, a much wider audience. But a much wider audience with perhaps less time for this digital content or, you know, less time for the internet and for homemade cat videos and stuff. But also with ideas of quality. And that's the important one, because if you get a vast audience going digital, they're not going to, they're, they're much less likely to be interested in something that isn't up to the standards of what Netflix can give with Daredevil and the like. So actually what I'm, I'm sort of thinking there is actually, it's almost the sense that maybe that's one of the reasons for this sort of downward turning web series is because the wide audience, those who perhaps do find this stuff or the, or the younger people who are coming in and find this stuff, it, it's not up to, 
that standard and there's less tolerance for it, which is, you know, it's a shame. I mean, it's not universal, but certainly just because there's a vaster audience for digital stuff now, I think, if anything, it it forces people to think, well, actually, we really need to up the stakes to be competitive and suitable. One thing I think that's actually a, um, a another factor that, that, that comes out of that is actually the uh, the shift I've seen in, in the types of subjects that are taken on by web series. I think in the early days, I, I think there was very much a you know, strong, strong idea that um, you wouldn't get anywhere with a web series unless it was comedy. I think that was, that was quite sort of like prevalent in the early days, but now you see um, web series addressing sort of drama and real life types of, of, of subjects and, um, you know, horror fantasy sci-fi you know you're actually seeing all the different genres represented now among this sort of digital medium and whether we're talking about i'm talking about any kind of digital content really that's not being broadcast so we're right from the range of of sort of you know digital series on netflix right down to the you know the shortest of and smallest and low budgetest of of uh, of web series they're addressing the full range of media um genres now which is something that didn't happen in the early days because because at that point the internet was still seen as a place where you went and watched funny cat videos and so people didn't have an association between youtube and digital content other than that's where you watch funny videos and so there was this attitude that if you didn't make something funny people wouldn't go and watch it and i think actually that's one of the one of the biggest shifts that i've seen and changes in the way that 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 uh, that web series have, have evolved in a way the reason why Netflix and Amazon are so popular as sources for digital content is because it's essentially linked directly to television. There will be people out there who don't own a television. They'll be watching it on their laptop or whatever. And that's something to bear in mind. But the greater majority will be watching Netflix on TV rather than on their device. And whilst YouTube is available on PS3 and Xbox and all the other things, and often on uh, smart TVs, they still have the opinion that YouTube is where you go if you're on the internet, not necessarily when you go to watch something relaxing in the evening. I mean, that's interesting because I think actually it depends on your demographics. And there's some research being done on this at the moment. Um, but... It's interesting. Actually, I think if you find a lot of the younger viewers, there is a lot more laptop watching, a lot more focus of course. on the laptop than television, though. it's And it's much more during the day and almost distractive viewing of doing other things whilst watching things on um, on their laptop, literally, as a, not a background thing, but watching a show and doing, and on tweeting and on Facebook. It's really kind of cross-media and sometimes tweeting about a show, but definitely... The use of the internet is, uh, and laptops to view things is, is, I think, very interesting for the younger demographic. And the younger demographic, I think, generally are who are going to be looking at web series more, or at least perhaps what you want to look at web series more. Um, it's quite interesting thinking about web series, I know, and how sort of, um, I think... And when we say web series, maybe we should be saying digital series now. <laughs> Who knows? But um, the types of audience they get to and the types of uh, series that you can get and, and how they can keep that momentum going, I think it's quite difficult. When you think about television and talking about the younger demographic, it's quite clear um, that as televisions are getting bigger, they're a fixed part within our, our homes. And 
you would all kind of sit around and watch television, you know, as a family or with friends, etc. But when I think of the, you know, the younger demographic, um, like you said, Mark, you know, they, they would watch it whilst multitasking, going on Twitter, Facebook, doing other things as well. And that's all very personal stuff to them. So I can see that how as, as the younger generation come more into their 20s and 30s, that, you know, television may even start sort of dying out and you know, consuming this content on more personal devices might be the way that it's going. I was just um, going to, uh, as we're coming towards the the end of our time, I think, but there's something I'd like to raise and and just see what your guys, um, you guys' opinions are on this. And that is um, the idea of web series as pilot. Uh, The idea there is that, um, television companies, uh, broadcast companies, but also digital channels like Netflix are now commissioning series based on independently produced and released web series. Um, But they are picking up intellectual property from from those sorts of of, of bases with an intact fan base already present and then, you know, putting money into it. And and I can't, I I don't really have any particular examples of this, but it's, it's something that I was reading about sort of being discussed i can think of two one is that children's hospital went from being a web series to being a piece of content available on television on adult swim and the second thing is um britannic which is um a a comedy duo who do a lot of short films um essentially they got picked up to produce a full-blown series for um i think it was uh comedy central in relation to that also uh in, in parallel, perhaps even, um, I came across a new new phrase today, which I learned. I learned something new today, everybody, um, which was the phrase um, turnkey shows. And turnkey shows are um, low budget productions that are picked up by uh, networks and redeveloped with an A-list cast to make it saleable to a wider audience. Mm. Um, and that's something that apparently happens. I haven't you know, come across this this term before, but um, what do you guys think about the idea of, of, of web series almost as a pitch and, and that as sort of like as a way of um, independent filmmakers um, putting their content out there with the ultimate aim of getting that picked up and, you know, adopted by a more traditional company? It is interesting that you raised that because in the article I stated at the very start, Todd Bieber goes on to say that um, he is of the opinion that most of the people in the industry think that web series is really seen as a starting point in your career rather than something you do in the middle of your career, which is not necessarily top marks, but it's certainly a place to, at least it's cultivating the industry that that's where you go if you want to start rather than if you've got something that already exists. I think if you're... If you're thinking about making a series that will be shown and distributed online, either through your own website or YouTube or Netflix or whatever you plan to do with it, um, even if you don't have you know really grand plans of getting it picked up by a major distributor, it's probably worth doing a bit of research and just finding out from these major distributors what their... Um, kind of specifications are that they're going to be looking for and asking for these things so that when you've finished filming it and producing it, 
Um, even if you don't plan to do anything with it, then, you know, it's going to make it more enticing for these distributors if they've got something that is already in the sort of um, banding that they're looking for to pick up. That's an interesting point, actually. And and I think it's sort of, again, going on that kind of um, line of, yeah, are we going to use it as a, as a, as a, as a step forward in that regard or as some of the examples which mentioned earlier it seemed to be more the creators went on to do other things rather than the property um so so there's different ways it can work but one thing i think to really think about is how this could i think this could have really come across as negative to web series but what we're sort of saying about is that wider perception of them isn't it and 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 the term um but I think one thing to sort of look at and actually also think about is there is a lot of quality independent things out there and they exist, you know, for their own sort of passion of the people behind it to get it out there and to have them. And they want to build an audience. They don't necessarily want to build like, you know, obviously they wouldn't say no to the vast audience, but um, something like red shirt films, you know, they're building an audience. They deserve a big audience for what they do. They don't always... Um, necessarily have the big quality cameras but if you watch their stuff they just get better and better all the time they've done some really interesting shorts and there's a there's a lot of creativity a lot of humor um and i think that's something we really need to perhaps need to think about is yes how it can help create community as well and create sort of interesting relationships and obviously people would like to be able to do it full time but i definitely think you should try and at least think about the kind of positive aspects of independent web series for independent production, especially in the UK, which is obviously a lot smaller and more difficult to navigate than Hollywood. Actually, something um, that, that leads on to something I was, I was thinking about, actually, which is um, the web series, I think, uh, actually really do speak to the, uh, to, to the, to the young generation, the, the, the internet-connected generation, the, the generation that has grown up uh, you know, with the internet and doesn't really remember a time before it was a thing, um, which there is, they're adults now. Is that not scary? Uh, 10 years. But, uh, but the, this is the, the, this generation are, are used to being connected to everything. They crave connection with everything. And I think uh, digital media or you know, digital series um, allow the, the viewers to connect with the producers in a way that the traditional media don't. And I think, Going forward, that's going to be key. And as you say, that's about community. That's about um, about feeling like you're part of that series that you're watching, that you can, you know, send a tweet to them and they'll reply and, and you know, that you can you can watch it and you can comment on YouTube and so on and so forth. There is a generation of, of people growing up now and, and, you know, becoming the, you know, the main part of society where that is an essential part of the way they engage with media. Mm. I suppose ultimately you might want to consider, I suppose, which, um, not demographic, but who do you want to cultivate the relationship with mm. as a digital series producer? Is it aiming towards the big studio leagues? Or is it aiming, say, on YouTube towards being seen alongside YouTubers who are huge? They're like, you know, they make livings this way, make millions, but you get YouTubers or... You know, celebrity YouTubers who do certain sort of skill sets and things. You know, it it it's almost a different kind of direction that it can always become something 
that works in that regard as a kind of um, young sort of... It's, you know what I mean? It's very difficult yeah. to, to express well, that. I think but YouTubers really do tap into mm. that, uh, you know, connected generation. That is exactly mm. the expression of what that mm. sort of, you know, link with, with, with media is. So really, I suppose one of the questions to ask is, what is the future of the digital series? Um, what's the... Should we just do a little, what, what do we think is the, the future thing yeah, each? Go on. Yeah, Mark, what do you think is the future of, of uh, the digital series? The digital series. That, that, is, that is the future. It is at the very least the digital series because the web series as a term is, is not going to fly, I think, in the future. It, yes. It's, it's always been bogged down with those connotations. It's not going to let go of them. And moving forward, it's all about digital, digital, digital content. Digital is the key watchword. So going forward... It's all about digital content and, and marketing your digital content for the audience that you want. But do you think that that's, um, in a way, that nothing's going to change, that things are going to puff along the way they are with the, the style of series as they are? I think as the technology changes, you're again going to see uh, dual tiers as the younger generation come up and start being able to make productions cheaply and high quality I think that will be make a notable difference, just as maybe the older generations will be making things even more high, you know, professional quality. Maybe there'll be different tiers, who knows? But the quality overall will probably go up even from the younger generations as they, they become more used to certain technology. And when I'm saying, I'm not saying necessarily like red one quality, but I don't think you get, you know, shocking camcorder shaky. I think it's always going to look good in the future. Well, I, I actually think uh, the future of web series, the future of digital series, is the future of series. I think uh, ultimately, I think we're going to see, you know, almost like the well, maybe not the death of, of of traditional broadcast media, but but really the the blurring of any boundaries between the two. And I think uh, that among both the way it's distributed, but also the audiences that are watching them, I think uh, as accessibility to digital media becomes more and more commonplace in people's homes and and more and more easily accessible you know to the point where it's you know you flick it on with your tv remote and you can pick what you want to watch and you watch it and that is as normal as turning the channel to bbc2 or whatever as that becomes you know the norm i think that the distinction between TV series and web series will eventually evaporate, I think. Uh, and therefore, I think, you know, the, the future of digital series is the future of all series. Um, I also think that you will ultimately start to see that it will actually uh, front a breakdown of um, global boundaries as well. I think there will ultimately be uh, hard decisions for the digital distributors um, such as Netflix and Amazon to make in terms of regional licensing, because I think, um, you know, the the web series is the global market, isn't it? It's the global audience. And I think, um, you know, that will slowly but surely erode the traditional boundaries that we have until, you know, ultimately all series are available everywhere and all series are digital or broadcast or it, and it's all the same. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Chrissy. I think um, the the differences between the different mediums at the moment will um, just disappear probably within the next few years and everything will just become accessible in one place um, wherever you are. Um, I also think on the, you know, the medium long term, 
in 10 years' time, everything that we're talking about today would probably be completely irrelevant. Something something new and exciting that none of us could ever even imagine or dream of would be the new thing. I mean, just can anyone remember life before Facebook? I certainly can't. Yeah. <laughs> actually, Ben, sorry, just let me interrupt you there a second, Ben. I'm actually, I'm working on a novel at the moment, which by very the very fact of the my dawdling is, is now currently set in 2009. And I'm having to be really careful about the types of... Um, technology and media that I reference because it's five five years five six years ago but so much has changed at one point I found myself saying something about a Twitter feed and then I suddenly realized to myself that Twitter didn't really happen until about 2010 (laughs) yeah well you imagine before Facebook uh, was live trying to explain Facebook to someone of that era um, it would just be impossible and I think you know in 10 years time um, you know we're sitting at the forefront of something big and life-changing that's going to happen in terms of digital content and digital media that none of us can even perceive at the moment. Equally, they did say at some point that podcasts were going to die in like two years, and here we are now. Facebook, it's like MySpace with less music and annoying pictures. Yeah, what? Seriously, less. Did you want to add anything? Um, just in terms of productions in general, I think we're going to see a lot more kind of different levels of production instead of no budget, semi-professional and professional. I think as people can access more stuff, maybe not just in terms of web series, but in terms of indie productions, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, kind of in between levels of production and different kind of scales and, and different. More of a continuity. Yeah. yeah. I just want to add, actually, if anyone is interested in looking further in detail into these kind of ideas and a lot of the stuff we've, we've discussed today and looking at it in a bit more depth. Um, wonderful book, Henry Jenkins, Convergence Cultures. It's very recommended for sort of looking in depth at the sort of studies on this kind of uh, digital technology. We'll also include a bunch of links uh, to some of the research that we did for the, for the podcast today um, below the episode so you can check those out as well. Okay. I wanted to put in my sort of couple Sorry. of pens, which was... Um, Personally, I'm of the opinion that the web series, as we currently know it, will die, will will fade away because, <laughs> yes, I use the air quotes, but <laughs> still, the point stands. You understand my voice that web series as a concept, I think, is not going to last the way uh, it's going to slowly but surely be replaced more and more by TV style content rather than short-form web series, which is what we currently have, these 10-minute shorts. I mean, the the mere fact that we are looking at reproducing our web series in TV form and pushing to say, rather than doing web series, do more longer-length films, it kind of... We're thinking in our own minds that the the web series might be a something you don't do as a long-term goal it's something you say right done that what's next that's it for breakout for this episode um let us know your thoughts on the future of web series from your standpoint and if you like what you heard please rate and subscribe and let us know what you think of the series in general um also for more about us and what we do check out our website thegreatesc.com Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll listen again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Bye. Bye. Till next time. <laughs>